Okay, it's live on YouTube now. Hi everyone, I'm really excited to host Gabriel Sorrento. He's director at Vaction Technologies. He's CEO and co-founder of Mindesk. I have been following Mindesk development in the industry and they are pushing the boundary in terms of mixed reality, AR, XR technologies. And it's a great pleasure for me to interview Gabriel. Hi, Mayur. Thank you very much for uh, having me as a guest today. It's a honor. So, Gabriel, I'm, I'm curious to know your professional journey right after your college to this date. What were some pivotal moments and what got you interested in this space? Yeah, um, I started working at a, in, in the field of virtual reality for professional application, in particular in the, in the AEC, right after college. Um, this all started as a, a frustration of mine designing a complex project during my, my master thesis and during my really short career as an, an architect. I've interned in, uh, in brands like uh, Renzo Piano Building Workshop. Uh, so I, I've been dealing with, uh, with, with certain projects that really required uh, some imagination skill to visualize and to solve certain problems um, that most of architects has, but um, non-technical people not necessarily have. And technology can really help uh, to this extent. Um, so as I said, I started working at a, a tool that will help everybody um, to visualize and collaborate easily um, using virtual reality. And um, starting from 2020, this project has become part of the Vection Technologies families. Vection Technologies, for those one who don't know that, um, is a publicly traded company um, that focuses in uh, uh, real-time application for enterprises. And we became the architectural um, base, the architectural spirit in this uh, comprehensive set of uh, uh, real-time application that Vection proposed. And the, the result of this has been uh, incredible. Uh, we have architects, engineers, uh, designers, students from all over the world that are now using and leveraging uh, real-time rendering and virtual reality technologies to be immersed in their project before it's even built. That uh, has something of incredible. If you think of the, the time that was um, and the expenditure of resources that used to characterize this workflow earlier in building physical prototypes and trying to simulate something that doesn't exist yet. Um, the, the effort was massive and our mission is to make it uh, extremely easy. That's awesome. And I'm curious to know what were some technical and business challenges while developing Mindest? I would like to, to start from the business challenge because when we talk about business challenge, we are actually trying to talk about problem that people have and solution to this problem. So coming from, from an architectural background, from a design background in general, that also includes uh, structural engineering and other branches of the design. So coming from that background, I realized that the world is 3D and so should be uh, designed to. Uh, we are we're still bound to um, all older like previous technologies that are leverages technologies like um, 2D monitor and flat surfaces. They kind of constrain and damper the process of uh, developing a project, which is not just creating, this is not just the, the creative phase, but also the all the iteration to perfect, to, to make a project perfect, a project that respects the code, a project that gets the approval from a regulatory standpoint, 
and approval from the client standpoint. So to, those are all the, the, the requisites, the requirements that uh, an architectural, but also um, a product must have to get into production. To get there, um, companies spend months, months in iterations, in processes that can be uh, accelerating tremendously using technology. But using virtual reality technologies uh, over the Mindest platform, what we did is connecting virtual reality to CAD software and BIM software. So you can jump back and forth uh, these two areas uh, very quickly. And this will enable you to enter the project and experience the project before it's even built. What does this mean? It means that you're able to use all your senses to spot errors, to validate assumption, uh, assumption like, uh, will this fit in this space? Or will this um, room fit from a human factor, from an ergonomic point of view? Uh, if you think of like, for example, the, the naval industry, um, there's always this question like, uh, will this space feel comfortable the distances of all the elements of this panel are correct, so the arm can reach everywhere. All these answers find, all these questions find a very easy answer when you experience that in 3D, in immersive 3D, because your body becomes the, the test bed for all these assumptions that every designer in the world uh, meet at a certain point. And, and, and this, segues us into the, the more technical problem. So to enable this, uh, to make this easy for any designer, we had to change a few things in the in the state of art. So before Mindless, the state of art was either, okay, uh, we build a replica, like a, a prototype, or B, uh, company use technology like cave, which are extremely expensive, or uh, other um, video game simulation technologies, which again, were, were, were expensive in a way that um, designer had to elaborate the data coming out from CAD and BIM software a lot, like data preparation, simplification, uh, UV mapping, remeshing, a, a ton of stuff that wasn't adding any value to their workflow for the purpose of simulating that. Uh, with Minus, we basically removed all these steps and made it so that uh, any designer can jump uh, in VR or augmented reality with a click. And in a few seconds, you're, you're inside your project. And when you're inside your project, there are a number of things you can do. You can just explore it and, and experience it from the inside. Or um, as well, you can uh, invite more people from other, uh, other places because it's virtual. So that they can join from remote location and have a multi-user uh, collaborative session to review that project. Or you can take the data and push it into a real engine to have a real-time rendering. So the, the data becomes extremely flexible in this uh, in this platform. And we developed a very, very special technology that makes this flow bidirectional. So once you are immersed in, uh, in this virtual environment, you cannot just look at the product, but you can also edit the project and see changing and those edits happen in the source of this data. So assuming you are an architect working with a, a rabbit model uh, to get into the practical, uh, you can link rabbit to this virtual reality environment and the rabbit project can change while someone is inside it. So this enables for a new level of conversation uh, with with the stakeholders, whether they are just your colleagues or the client 
or the owner uh, of, of, of that building. That's so incredible. Like I could imagine it's not only VR, it's like VR BIM integration. So can you walk us like through the initial stages when the ideas was being brainstormed with you and other co-founders? What was the initial vision? And what were some like important decisions you had to make during the development, which were like crucial? about deployment or technological development? Um, yes. So some of the important choices we, we had to make um, were the, the, the scope of this project, the, the goal. Um, initially, um, we started exploring the, the 3D modeling um, aspect of the workflow. And that's where we come from. But the project has evolved since then. And we, all, all our decision through all this process uh, has been guided by the feedback we've been receiving from the, you know, the, the operative field from, the, uh, from, from our clients directly. And then the direction this has took is making this environment and using the editing power to uh, extend and, and empower the design review aspect of that. So it's, it's leaning towards the, the collaborative aspect, leaning toward connecting professional in a, in a shared virtual environment, because that's where you can really uh, achieve um, major step forward to bring the project into the production phase. Being able to uh, share the project, being, make it sure that other people understand what you're doing, which is, it turns out is not absolutely, is, is not absolutely to be taken for granted. Um, we, we speak and we work with, a, uh, with the best designers in the world. Uh, we've been working with uh, Zadid architects, uh, with Arrow, with like think 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 any brand, um, and and you get it. And we've been working with the best ship designer, like uh, the Italian Azimuth. And one shocking truth that we discover is that even the best designer, the word, um, get to the production phase with design errors. They could they couldn't spot because of the limits that the the tools today the the CAD tools provide. Um, one thing in say is is looking at a blueprint that is just a flattened section of the whole thing. A different a different thing is like getting there and and see that that pipe is hitting that door uh, once you you bake it in production. So. This technology is really transforming the way people work by anticipating a lot of potential uh, error that would otherwise be discovered later on in production. Got it. And was there like a low point or a bottleneck in this whole yeah. entrepreneurial journey? And, and sorry, to, to get back to your question uh, about the important decision, this is this is an evolution that back when we started six years ago, uh, we didn't see clearly that, but that emerged from uh, from from the from our from our community, and that drove the choice to focus on this aspect. Yeah, I I, I could feel that it's it's also like in a startup, you see, you start with some idea. And then with the feedback and the community and the market need you evolve that idea. So I could relate to that. That's always like that. I've seen this <laughs> also in, in, in other, in other companies. Great. And to, to um, coming back to my previous question, like, was there any low point you felt doing this whole development where things were not going the way they should be 
it was challenging to get stuff done or like what was the bottleneck um we one of the challenge um we have as a developer is because we we deal with such a different um uh such so many different industries uh with with one of our products um and uh, because cad and beam software go across many industry if you think of not just architecture but also um landscape design uh defense healthcare uh education product design uh, mechanical design a cat is an extremely flexible technology that goes horizontal across all these industries which means that we had to face um many different requests coming from all these direction and came up with an environment that has the ambition to be the the hub spot the crossroad of all these uh necessities of these requirements so this is probably um one of the cha most challenging aspects which we responded with a flexible architecture and expandable architecture that can be um that is composed of a core and many plugins that can be developed on top of that. Got it. And since we are on the topic of like architecture in tech terms, like what is the tech stack and what are some languages you use to develop this product? Oh, I see your audience is pretty, it's pretty technical, I guess. <laughs> um, yes, of course. Uh, so we, Speaking of the, the, the Mindless platform, it has been developed as a, as a additional software layer uh, on top of CAD and BIM software. Uh, this layer, which is the Mindless core, connects to each of those source software. The connection is, a, is basically a web-based connection, even if sometimes it runs locally on, on the computer for a single user sessions but it can also run across the web in the cloud and um, on top of that we also develop a custom render engine so again one of the one of the hardest choice was whether to develop this inside unity or unreal um, we found that for certain application like visualizing complex and dynamic massive project that was not suitable because it implied a processing uh, of the 3d model that we wanted to remove so we we built um, a new custom render engine based on DirectX 12 from scratch that is uh, deliberately optimized for dynamic CAD data and that enable what what Mindesk is today that enable to have a virtual environment that can suddenly where everything can suddenly change without any preparation without any extra processing and that can run on laptops which is, is quite amazing you don't need like a, a spaceship computer to to run this application got it like my last question before we dive deeper into the application is I'm imagining since you're communicating from CAD to the VR platform, like the memory, how is the data being transformed and like represented like the memory management and sometimes it's, it's heavy, the loading time gets affected. Oh, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I cannot like flip all of my cards. <laughs> <laughs> but I can tell you that we, we, we've been working uh, many years in, in optimizing this process um, to, to get to the point where um, the, the, the user don't even notice what's happening, all, all the things that are happening in the background. I want just to give you one, one more bit of like technological detail. We leverage a lot of parallel computing to really um, 
drain any bit of performance from the, the, the current hardware that is commercially available off the shelf, including, of course, uh, NVIDIA GPUs and modern processors. That's great, yeah. I think like it, it's a great time to see a demo of Mindesk VR and go deeper. Yeah, and, and since you are from uh, Parkinson Wheels, I also wanted to share an experience we had with the, with the Parkinson Wheels office in, in California. Um, let me share, let me quickly share my monitor. So this is a, um, a case study slash white paper. Um, we we developed with Parkinson Wills called Instinct to Digital Impact, and that shows how uh, Mindesk has been leveraged in a design process, iterative design process. The case um, orbits around the creation. Let me let me jump to the final picture. Yeah, orbits around the creation of this uh, public space. It's a very simple bike rack but using uh, virtual reality the designer was immersed in this space and was able to edit the construction lines that then generates this uh, this canopy structure until uh, the designer felt positive about optimizing this shape here we go yeah the process involved getting to my desk and controlling this control point, which then triggered a grasshopper script to generate the curves and the final structure. So as you can see, using minus you can you can take all this all this um, ring of the chain and and uh, and join them together into a seamless workflow. All right. Um, so like just to clarify <laughs> the way it works is there's like a line-based geometry in Rhino. It is streamed to Mindesk VR. I manipulate those line-based geometry. Then the, there's a grasshopper function which creates this uh, surface areas and volume and it's rendered. And it's rendered correctly. It's rendered inside the VR. So you have a feedback, a visual feedback of what you're doing. Um, but again, the data is flexible. So this geometry data can be pushed into Unreal, for example, to have a, a, a rendered view. Uh, so you can, you can then do things like solar studies, shadows, glare, and, and, and much more, or just create a video presentation for your client that it's, it's, it's beautiful and stunning. All right. Um, so I want to show you now uh, how the software works on the operative way. I just need a moment to load my um, VR headset. So. Can you still hear me? I can hear you. Um, Mayur, um, hmm. unfortunately, I cannot hear you. Uh, you can't. <laughs> 
I just connected the VR headset that probably interfere with the audio stream. So let me let me do really quick. That's uh business as usual, but let me join with my phone so I can I can um have a second audio stream. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, I'm not getting the option. You're muted. Can you hear me now? Yeah, perfect. Okay, I can hear you as well. Fantastic. <laughs> okay. um, so basically, what just happened is um, the the computer that I'm using. Usually, you need two computers to stream one to stream and the other to do the virtual reality experience. When you start the virtual reality. VR takes the resources from the computer, like audio and microphone, to direct into the uh, into the VR app. And um, that's the reason why it does this is because um, when you when you join a multi-user session, also in Mindesk, you also have the VoIP functionality, so you can hear other people and speak, so other people can hear you. Um, and this doesn't doesn't go well with the Zoom technologies. Uh, we're actually sending a letter to, to both Zoom and Microsoft, so this can be implemented and handled better in future uh, Windows application. Uh, but yeah, uh, <laughs> it's it's uh, it's it's normal business. Uh, okay, so now we can uh, we can move forward. I can share my monitor and show you how how the process works. Um, I have prepared a very simple project. We can now see side by side the um, the, the Rabbit model and uh, the the Mindesk interface. So when you install Mindesk on your PC, it installs the core application, which is the the Mindesk Studio that you see here on the right, and um, a plugin for the specific uh, source software. In this case. Uh, Rabbit, and that generates uh, some new comments like Link VR, and that's all you need. Um, you can then click uh, this button. The system will do a really quick check, and it will ask you which view would you like to share. This is important because sometimes designers like to have different view, uh, which are associated with different filters. So sometimes you have a view of phase one of your project or phase two or completion. So that gives you the opportunity to filter exactly and focus exactly on what is important. So now you see the project is immediately uh, appearing in the, in the Minded Studio. And from now on, um, I can put the headset and be immersed. So we can explore this project together. Hopefully the frame rate through Zoom is good enough, but I can guarantee it's super fluid from inside here. 
So let's explore this project. So the first, first thing I noticed that we can manipulate the project and move it around like if it was um, a physical project, we could get inside it and explore in one-to-one -one scale. We could shoot rays just to, to move inside the project. And we're exploring the kitchen. So, Let's say I'm the future owner uh, of this house and I want to um, kind of customize this, this house in a way that from this point, I want to see the chimney. So I could ask the designer to move this window. There's a very simple tool for this. We can activate the pan and say, hey, Move this on the right and align to this. So now I created a very simple sketch on this wall. And uh, the sketch data is saved into the BIM model. So if I hit save on Revit, um, someone else opening this project can, uh, uh, can further edit that. And, and see that. So let me show you one thing. Um, we still have a rabbit here and we still have this window. So the designer, which can be uh, joining the session from remotely can change the code. And this immediately is reflected inside the virtual reality. So you can see how this tool and open up for unprecedented collaborative opportunity. And this is this is uh, in terms of interaction, but it's also a good way to explore the properties of the product. Like for example, we can inquire this wall and read all the metadata associated with it, which is extremely important in, in the BIM world. And once this is um, this is done, you can just create, aim and click to create a screenshot and then share this screenshot with colleagues and other stakeholders. So the process is extremely fluid and, uh, and also extremely powerful. There is one more thing I would like to show you which is the, the multi-user multi aspect of it. So let me just, here we go. Oh, nope. All right. We have a YouTube channel, which I recommend everyone to subscribe, called Mindesk. Surprise, surprise. Here we go. And the first video you'll find. Pre-order the all-new Google Pixel 6 and save $99 on Pixel Buds A-Series. The first video you'll find is this one. That clearly shows how basically what I just showed to you. But if we move forward, this is what a multi-user session looks like. So you can see other people in form of avatar. You can recognize them easily because there's the tag name and basically share the same, uh, the same virtual room and iterate on this product. Now, when something has changed in, uh, in Revit, this immediately propagates to everyone joining the room. So this is where you can add uh, the contribution of everyone. In this other case, we use Minus to connect um, the BIM model into Unreal Engine. Uh, by doing so, we could easily uh, play with light 
shadows and materials and apply them to the project for a super quick uh, visualization. I want to show you this again. Oh. Here we go. There is a detail I want to show you. So even in Unreal, the geometry is manipulated from Revit. So when then this, this window is moved again, moves also in Unreal. So the takeaway of all this is that back in the day, all this software part of a single workflow were siloed. And my method is bringing them together uh, with, a, with a direct piping, data piping among them, which is real time, which is amazing because it's going to save uh, hours and hours of hard work. Uh, I think I think that's uh, that summarized the, the the goal that we're we're reaching with this technology, and how we intend to to foster uh, the development of uh, design project. I think like that's a great product demo, and like those features were amazing. I'm I'm curious to know. Let's say if you define or add more materials in Unreal. And if that material is not defined in Revit, are there like compatibility uh, challenges? That's a great question. So Revit always assign a default material. And you can either choose to stay with the default material or customize your material. But at the end of the day, every Revit model has a, a a bill of, of, of materials, like the list of all the materials that have been used in that specific project. What Mindus does is translate this list into an unreal list of materials. So you can say material blue and translate it into glass. So every object that has material blue in Revit becomes glass in Mindus. I see. And this also follows like real time changes. Like if I do something in Unreal, it will reflect back in, in Revit. Exactly. So if in Revit you change something from material blue to material red, in, uh, in uh, Mindless will become from glass to copper, for example. And again, you choose who is who using the, the material table tool that translates. And that's a. Uh, um, that's a, a, a free choice of the designer to manage this. Got it. So uh, actually the intent I was asking, let's say I add like a silver material in Unreal, will it appear as a generic material in Revit, like a, a particular color? Yes. Yes, correct. So um, materials are not extremely implemented in Revit. And um, we, it's not our goal to do so. So we, like, we're not changing. We're not reinventing CAD or BIM. CAD and BIM tools are what they are, and industry love it. They've been around for over thirty years. So uh, I think they reached the optimal stage in terms of evolution. Um, this platform's world wants to expand the software into the VR, AR world and real-time rendering world without changing the nature of this professional software. Got it. I, I was just thinking that it, if I were to share this VR experience uh, on the web, like, is there any like iframe where, okay, I have my VR deployment and I can host that on my web page? Um, that's a great, that's a great question. That's a great question. And we are actually working at a web interface for, for Mindesk that's under development. Um, but you still, you still can shoot a video and share the way I've shared with you today. Got it. Yeah. The reason I asked is like, I was looking into a frame and like web VR. So I was like thinking. Can we have like a workflow where even if someone on the website doesn't have a VR, they can like 
tinker around and like either immersive 3D or web VR experience. We can keep it optional. Again, we are we're exploring those possibilities. Now, remember that we could achieve this performance leveraging um, a custom render engine. To develop the web interface, we need to rely on existing uh, web rendering base uh, like WebXR. So again, we're exploring that, uh, but uh, that's definitely, we, we recognize this as a natural step forward to open up uh, this environment to even more people. That's awesome. And I was wondering about the sketch part you told. So like if we make a sketch and will it come back to Revit or how the person gonna address, like an architect gonna address what a user have marked on that wall or something? So the data is physically stored inside the, the Revit. Um, you still cannot see in the Revit file, but if you mail that Revit file to someone else and they open up in Mindesk, they would see that, that drawing. Um, one of the features that we're working on is to make this data viewable inside Revit without the, having Mindisk installed. Yeah, I, I can imagine like, because Revit doesn't have like a pen tool. So either maybe you could do like a raster image of that markup or it's gonna be challenging to showcase. Yeah. Well, we can store them as a, I think the strategy will follow is storing them as a polyline, which is a, um, a data that Revit can represent. Good. Have you have you seen any workflow project where person started in Mindesk VR and then created initial geometry and then added more objects in Revit and came back to my Mindesk? I think the the the, the bike rack from Perkins was 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 something something like that. Is the initial prototype was done in VR and then uh, was introduced some grasshopper coding and then fine tune iterated until the final stage. Good. And currently, what are the platforms Mindesk VR support, like what software integration? We currently support um, Rhino, Grasshopper, SolidWorks, and Unreal on the Mindesk 2021 platform. We are now transitioning to the Mindesk 2022, which include Rabbit as well. And of course, more integration will be announced in, in, in future months. That's awesome. Yeah, I like like in my studio, most of the people were also using like Lumion or Twinmotion. So it would be interesting to have like that integration. But the, the hard part about AC is there are so many software. So once you start making like those integrators, like the list is endless. Yes, yes, we do realize, we do realize, and we have a vision where um, the designer should stop worrying about, oh, can I use this with this? But all the software should be connected. And, and not just all the software, but all the people in a team should be connected. So connection, I think, is the, the key value that we're bringing. Got it. What is your piece of advice for people who, who wants to develop this expertise in uh, immersive 3D design? Like what software or coding language you recommend them to learn? Um, I will definitely recommend looking at either C Sharp or Python. Like if you think of like, for example, both Dynamo and, and, and Grasshopper, um, for whoever is passionate like me uh, in, uh, in computational design, uh, C Sharp and Python are the, the leading uh, code languages to implement new modules in this, uh, these frameworks. I see. And if, if you have- fairly easy, fairly easy to learn, at least fairly easy to get started with, especially Python. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And also like with Python, with uh, interactive Python, like Jupyter, 
it's way more easy now to get started. And the other advantage is that there is a huge community around that. So there are resources everywhere. Um, there are websites um, that teach you how to how to code uh, endless video tutorials on YouTube. So uh, you're not alone. Got it. And from 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 my perspective, there are like few people who are very uh, adoptive about new technologies and VR. There are some aspect of the industry which are a bit conservative. So like if you were to change something and increase the adoption of VR based uh, design and collaboration, what what will you do? Can you elaborate on this question? Like uh, what are the ways we could increase like this kind of uh, tools adoption in the industry? So to, to increase the collaboration, um, the, a good direction is observing what is done already in real life, see how people interact and reproduce like physical tools. Uh, in digital. So one of the tools that I, I already show you is this 3D pen, which is the digital translation of, you know, what every architect uses, every designer uses on, on their table. Um, another tool that I haven't shown you but is, is available in Mindus is the digital ruler to measure from point A from to point B. And if you think about it, um, the name of the software is, is the name of the software is MindDesk, which is like a virtual desk that you explore with your mind. And that's uh, that's the, the whole concept behind in creating a digital twin of the current uh, workspace. I see. Sujay has a question. Does MindDesk allow for virtual sculpting similar to clay sculpting? If not, is this something you plan to develop in future? Um, my answer is, um, if we, if we end up integrating a 3D sculpting, um, tool like Blender, uh, or, or Maya, then yes. Um, it, it's all about which, uh, which tool we integrate with, because again, we don't want to reinvent the wheel or to come up with specific tools, uh, our own. We'd rather respect existing workflows that are just not optimized enough. Got it. And um, my last question on the advice is, what are some business lessons learned during this journey? And if if there are folks in the EC who plan to do a startup, what advice will, will you give it to them? Oh, easy one. Get out of the building. Um, <laughs> there are gazillion number of assumptions that that you have to do when you start and assumptions are good because um especially when you start you don't have the resource to get all the answers but the best thing you can do is uh get out and hang out with a with the end user and it, it's even better if you have that background so myself coming from a design background that helped me a lot in finding not the, the right answers but the right questions so finding the right question is the first step and hanging out with people that will end, end up being you know your partners or your clients is the best thing ever you can do that's a great piece of advice and i have a few light questions to end the interview so uh, first is how does a day in your life look like um, <laughs> it's, uh, uh, nothing special. Uh, I bike from home to office. Um, yeah, we, we got back to, uh, to our office safely, uh, fortunately, because California was one of the first states, uh, um, distributing a mass adoption of, of vaccines. So now it's safe. Um, we we got started we schedule our our meetings with uh, uh with other other designers other member of our community 
um, whenever possible, um, either myself or a member of the team uh, visit visit other companies to to share some moment with them to see uh, how they work and and learn uh, a lot of learning for sure. I see. I think like and then there is boring administration, <laughs> but <laughs> I rather not not talk about that because it's boring. Yeah, like I, I think like it's the reason. One of the reason I asked that question is it also helps like people who aspire to do similar work like yours understand what how how their life looks like and maybe take inspiration. So, my next question is. What other technologies apart from VR, XR, or AR like inspires you or you find interesting? Um, there are many other technologies that I'm personally passionate about. Uh, one of them is definitely space exploration. Oh, today I just tweeted um, the address of the FAA where everybody can send an email in support of uh, the SpaceX uh, orbital launch, which is currently under scrutiny for the FAA for authorization. I think that's that's one of the technology that will push uh, human boundaries uh, over the Earth. And that's also a huge design challenge because um, you need to come up with new ideas about how to build those those ships, those vehicles that will bring us there. And once we get there, uh, there will be even more design challenge about new dwellings in this very different environment. So all very exciting. And that's something, a, a technology that project us outside. There are also technology that project us inside ourselves, like the the human, like the the, the brain computer uh, interface, which will will soon cross path with VR. That's my my personal prediction. I don't know when this is gonna happen, uh, but also the technology will go to a speed that always surprised me. So who knows. Uh, we could see some some relevant update in our lifespan. Yeah, like it, it always excites me when like imagining wearing a VR headset and wearing that neurotech device, the VR environment is dynamically changing as per your brain's response. And like there's so many. To me, the future of VR headset is no headset at all. Who knows? <laughs> there's, a, there's this company called uh, Moho or Mojo, who's is trying to develop uh, contact lenses, AR-enabled contact lenses, and that's uh, that's one of the boldest um, statement I have I, I have ever seen in a tech world. So um, a lot of the physical you... world. Hmm? People will not see the physical world. They'll be always in VR. What is this? It's kind of it's it's kind of a mixed reality. So you will see a mix of, of real and, and 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 imaginary world. It's like uh, you, you have an object in front of you that doesn't exist, uh, but it's blended with the reality. Again, I'm curious to see what they will come up with because that's gonna be exciting. Definitely, I'll check that out. Uh, any book or? article or video which made a big impact in your life? Oh, yes. Um, I'm currently reading the uh, the biography of, of Palmer Lucky and his journey in, uh, in building um, Oculus and, uh, and, and then his final journey into Facebook. Uh, that's very inspiring. And He's a person who really like uh, gave it a shock to the to the VR world. After the first wave in the nineties, that world was like nearly dead, and like a phoenix, he could like bring it back to life. Got it. 
and like i wanted to know uh like some advice like you you mentioned about going out and getting interacting with the customer mm-hmm. in so what are some like product management or ui ux related advice you would like to share um it's an interesting question um how do you envision connecting the 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 client relation with ui ux like is the question about how we integrate uh feedback into our ui ux yeah like how do you develop U- ui ux which is like engaging to client and also like based on the feedback how you improve it uh i think again observation so uh what we look at when we when we we observe uh our partners and clients is what they struggle with so we usually give a demo to clients who wants to engage with us um for free usually and we see where they get stuck like sometimes they get stuck with uh, the use of a particular feature or sometimes they come up with question and after many of this experience you can see uh the weak points emerging and that's where that's exactly where you have to focus your energy in improving and simplifying the uh the software and here is the thing like it's very easy to make a complex software it's very hard to make a simple one so that's uh the, from a, like a product management standpoint that's our ongoing effort to make it like extremely simple and foolproof any bit point that you face in mind desk and it, it was like a leading uh leading leading piece of advice that you used in mind desk while creating it um yeah and the the, the, the one i just mentioned is it's really the one i care most of like simplicity um it's 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 incredible how simplicity is under, underestimated but uh it can uh, it can change completely the sort of a of a software and and make it a software uh like emerge over over competitors is the simplicity over like over performance over the power i would say simplicity is the especially when when it comes to arvr because arvr is a really fairly a fairly complex environment by itself so uh the last thing i i want to do is add a layer of complexity yeah aco is already complex enough to add more tech products to make it more uh but it's a, it's a it's some complexity that i think it's worth uh dealing with considering the uh enormous simplification that uh, ends up bringing so if you draw a balance at the end of the day um as a designer you you're getting a uh, tremendous advantage which i i've just discussed good uh, i'm curious to know your thoughts on metaverse uh metaverse namely the most abused word nowadays <laughs> um let me let me tell you this um what define metaverse to me is people so uh i was uh i was really pleased watching the uh, ernest climb ready player one and to see the movie and everybody has that vision stuck in their mind um i think we'll get there i think we'll get there soon i think there are um notorious companies and giants working toward that uh we'll see we'll see um i see the the word metaverse popping everywhere but i don't believe anyone has achieved it yet but that's an inevitable consequence uh, that will happen so uh for now i will i will sit and watch do you think like uh 
do you advise us to prepare uh, for the demand of virtual assets in metaverse? Um, yeah, um, to, to, to achieve metaverse, AR, VR should go mainstream. And with mainstream, I mean like one third of the population using it. Uh, for this to happen, devices need to change radically, become absolutely transparent, invisible, light. Uh, you don't even have to notice that you're using them. Um, and we've seen a lot of efforts from the industry navigating in that direction. Uh, and again, um, we're not yet there, but uh, it's coming closer and closer. Uh, from a business like professional standpoint, uh, it's it's a whole different because in in uh, in business in enterprises you're working in a controlled environment like an office or a laboratory, so it's much easier to uh, to to use this technology in a, in a controlled environment as opposed to like on the streets. <laughs> I see, and. I'm 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 just thinking that a lot of like people are speculating that in order to create let's say interaction or malls in those metaverses, uh, they might hire 3D artists or architects to build that. So I I just wanted to know your speculative thoughts that should architecture be open for other business opportunities. That's a, that's another interesting story, um, a, a very interesting question. And the, my answer is yes, they're right. Creating metaverses or creating virtual world will requires uh, and will imply a tremendous surge in, uh, in the request of 3D artists and 3D modelers. And I think this will be one of the um, one of the emerging new jobs of the future. So we constantly hear this story of technology destroying jobs, like robots stealing jobs to, to real work. The truth is, is like the job market is constantly evolving. There are crafts that disappeared uh, from a centuries ago, like people used to be umbrella, uh, uh, to handcraft umbrellas. And those used to be very expensive. Now it's you can get an umbrella for as cheap as like three three bucks. Uh, it's just change it now. Today it's much more relevant to have people managing the maintenance of the the machineries that are building the umbrella. But again, as vacuum technologies, we're also building new technology. Uh, that will remotize the uh, remote, like the, the assistance to, um, to to manage these machineries, and this will will induce or will allow companies to reduce the uh, the people on site. And again, it's a constant transformation where technology create new craft, create new jobs, and take over existing ones. So it's a, to me, it's a flow. It's a, it's a circular. Uh, the, the, the end game, the sum is, uh, is zero. Got it. So I had last two questions and switching our gear back. <laughs> what frustrates you the most about AC or in a softer words, like what are some areas of improvement? Um, it's a, I, I cannot think on 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 my two feet. I cannot think uh, something that really frustrates me. Uh, for sure, there are many challenges. Um, like for example, creating um, a software that is extremely stable and and reliable. That's a, that's definitely a challenge, but it's not frustrating. Uh, it's actually um, interesting and stimulating, for sure. Okay, and which cities in your travel bucket list? 
what's in my travel bucket list yeah that's a that's another interesting question uh, i'm pleased to see that at least united states administration is lifting uh restriction uh beginning from next month i guess so um we'll see uh it will definitely be um it will definitely be the opportunity to meet some uh, some of our international uh clients uh overseas uh and we have like clients everywhere in, in europe canada mexico uh even 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 south africa so uh it's a it's truly exciting awesome it was a great uh talk thanks a lot gabriel for your time to share your thoughts and work with oh, us mindesk is a great product good luck thank you very much good luck bye